Welcome to the Pain Podcast, presented by Le Peuple Scientifique. We are thrilled to bring you a platform that unites clinicians, researchers, and pain advocates in sharing a pursuit, understanding pain. In this series of podcasts, we aim to bridge the gap between scientific knowledge and practical applications in the field of pain. Our episodes will feature insightful discussions with leading experts, exploring the latest research findings, innovative treatments and emerging trends in the realm of pain. Whether you are a healthcare professional seeking evidence-based practices, a researcher diving into the depths of the pain mechanisms, or a dedicated advocate striving to improve the lives of individuals in pain, you are welcome. Check out our website, get confident and competent in treating pain. Start today. Okay, welcome to the Pain Podcast. Uh, my name is Tim Beams. I'm the host today and founder of Le Pub Scientifique. And I'm joined, I'm really delighted to be joined by Rajam Roos in San Diego. Rajam, uh, you, have, you are the founder, the owner and the organizer of the San Diego Pain Summit, uh, which is a really cool, uh, if you've never been to it, awesome um, summit to learn about. I, I would say it's really aligned with the pub principles, but uh, a deep understanding uh, and knowledge around pain that uh, we hope will then be transferable back to help others suffering pain certainly looking at your agenda your agenda for this conference that definitely aligns with that um and uh well there's a few other things let me say about uh, rajam you uh, were a massage therapist and ran your own business but little do people know, or some people will know, but I think lesser known is that you're an author as well. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, I guess you didn't expect me to be saying that, but I no, remember I fondly you giving me a copy of your book. It's uh, travel. Did yeah, travel. Yeah, travel. I hope I gave you the one that was formatted well. I hope I gave you the later edition. <laughs> Well, it, it was a good read anyway. And um, so it's your it travels as a road dog, I think it is the title, isn't it? Um, yeah, hit, uh, travels with a road dog, uh, hitchhiking in Americas. Because yeah. street lingo, road dog meant somebody who enjoyed spending time on the road and was like hardcore hitchhiker. And some of these older grizzled hitchhikers started calling me that and but then it also means from a cultural perspective having a your dog that is a companion with you which I also had a dog so there's like a double there's two meanings anyway yeah and 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 having read it you fully were like in that world weren't you it was a few years of, of oh my god i forgot i gave you a copy with with yeah with not much with you as well i mean it's i honestly i read it I, in fact i remember reading a significant amount of it when i was on a trip myself in in finland and staying in like um luxurious or luxury i mean i had a bed uh it's the best I, place to read it right when there was breakfast in the morning and, and things like that which um you know you are really uh, out there doing something that i consider to be really scary but um clearly 
amazing um so yeah awesome to, to hear. Well, thank you for that <laughs> so well we've got a, surprise. Uh, <laughs> um, a good one a good one thank you i appreciate this it. how we're going to start the conversation but uh, <laughs> but uh, today what i'd really love um to talk to you about because is it the 10th um summit coming up ninth or 10th it's actually the 10th year but it's the 11th summit and that's because um you know 2020 i had the 2020 in person and then i was going to do one in 2020 charlotte but i ended up moving that one online so that added an extra summit so i say so i say 11th annual but it's it's a mix. It's like, it's actually the 10th year, but the 11th conference. <laughs> Not confusing at all. And my friends are like, just say it's the 11th annual one. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll do that then. It sounds better. And then hopefully the screaming in the background from the kids isn't too much. But <laughs> um, what I wanted to ask you about, like having run an event like that um, for 10 years is, look, first of all, I, you, I have to congratulate you. That's incredible that you you've been able to do that for that length of time, Thank and you. um, you've been able to invite uh, and people have accepted the invitation, which is another amazing uh, achievement. I would say um, uh, some phenomenal speakers. Um, well, I am in San Diego, so I think. The, well, yeah, a draw, I think that it? probably helped a lot in the beginning bit of bit of winter sun and i believe that one of the first speakers you had was Lorimer mosley um but people who popped to mind would be someone like robert sapolsky as well and um yeah and to... he only came because i was in the same state he won't do talks when i had invited him he, at the time he doesn't do talks anymore um if if you want him to come to where you are he gives an exorbitant fee because he really doesn't want to do it but because I was in the same state and he could fly down and then just fly back home where he lives around San Francisco, um, that's why he did it wow. and then didn't charge, you know, that's so that was it was lucky. It's luck. <laughs> See, well, you know, I guess it is probably a bit more than luck, but that's yeah, fortunate there. But so so what I what I'm and I and I, I like was I had a great pleasure of coming over in 2019. You taught a workshop and <laughs> you taught a, they get loud. They're wondering what you're doing. Kids say, always want to know what we edit it. Doing. I don't know, but uh, there we yeah, go. Yeah, kids want, they, they, you're just, no, every interview I've ever done, and the person has kids. The kid, they they hear something's changed, and they they're curious, so they always want to come in and see what their parents doing. I think it's just part of. Yeah, it's more battering each other. I think in the background. <laughs> oh, they're beating <laughs> each other up. <laughs> so, so coming back to to my original uh, proposal, which is, um, I'm really intrigued. Well, about a couple of things, I'm really intrigued to know um like lesser like kind of lessons learned like what are the key things looking back over the last um 10 editions the the that really jump out stand out for you 
Hmm. That's a good question. Um, usually it's been little things like organizational, like, oh, I could have, like, for example, of all the years I've been doing this, this is the first year that I'm like, hey, why don't I have a Zoom meeting with my volunteer staff as opposed to having a meeting there on site when I'm busy, right? Things like that. So, th so it's really more, I'm learning things that help me refine a bit more. Um, I would say some of the bigger things I've learned was <clears throat> from when I first started this, um, is just how little known a lot of this information still really is. Because when I uh, first started the first conference, it was before Facebook was big. So there was Soma Simple. I don't know if you're familiar with that forum where clinicians would come on and talk and argue and have these discussions. And so being involved in Soma Simple, when I put together my event, you know, you're in this bubble. So you think there's more clinicians that think this way. And then I remember going to local PT clinics to advertise. I was like, hey, I've got this event coming out. It's right here in San Diego. You're going to get CEU, continuing education credits. Um, and people were like, who's Laura Mosley? <laughs> you know, I mean, and then just, try, just trying to market the event and promote the event and um, just the crickets. It was, that was very surprised. That was just a reminder to me how just because, you know, we're online and we're having these discussions, the majority of clinicians are not online, right? They're working, they're raising their families. Um, so that was probably the biggest, it wasn't really something I, well, I guess I learned a little, but it was more like a wake up, like, oh my goodness, there's, we do need more of this information, you know, because it's not really as widespread as it should be. And then of course, just seeing, you know, more of how our healthcare system here in the US is such a shit show, really. Uh, so I'm just doing what I can do, which is just to insert some extra education in to help people, you know. But mostly the things I learn are how to fine tune running an event. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess, then there's a couple of questions that for me come up with that because we've obviously over the year we've been running La Pub since 2012 um, and I, I think there are many um, familiar um, learning points here and and you have like a you know your your, your tribe if you want um, like but it's but when you're within that you sort of assume that everybody knows <laughs> the people mm -hmm. or the topics that you feel everyone should know about. So. I mean, I'll interrupt. I didn't know about La Pub until a couple years of running the summit, you know? So why should I'm you? I'm guilty why as well. Because you, you weren't in London in the pub with us. So it was uh, <laughs> at that time. <laughs> it would have been a better place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, like, then I suppose what the question sort of comes from that thinking that there are so many people out there that have little to no knowledge about some of the pain information that is provided at the summit. Um, I'm wondering 
I mean, partly I'm thinking, how does that make you feel? Um, and, and I'm also wondering, like, what can we do about that if we believe that people should know? Yeah, in some ways it does make me feel inadequate, like I'm not doing a good enough job. For example, there was this huge pain conference or well-known pain conference uh, through last year. And I guess they had a talk on the uh, the social determinants of healthcare. And several people, and I was following along them on Twitter because I like to also help promote other events that I feel like are similar to mine and help get the word out about them. And so I was following their hashtag and there were some clinic uh, researchers who were like, oh my God, this event is talking about social determinants of healthcare. We need more of this. And I'm like, uh, I've been doing that since 2015. <laughs> We've been doing that at the summit. So in a sense, it's like, it makes me feel, uh, you know, it's just, it's just inadequate what I'm doing. But then in another sense, it's just a reminder that, you know, so few people know that all this stuff is already out. And it's just a matter of, you know, who you're connected to, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So mm. I get over it pretty quickly, but it's just you still feel that little <laughs> that little hit like, uh, you know, yeah. And you see, or, you know, you'll see posts on, again on social media where people are like, oh, wow, I just learned this. And so I'm like, oh, and that's, that's partly the reason why I also made all the past talks free on YouTube, not only because there was getting to be way too much content that I was having to charge more for it uh, and hosting it was becoming too expensive so, and I, and that's partially what also, so I thought, you know what, let me make this free so it's easily accessible for more people who can't afford it, who may not have otherwise heard of it. Uh, so that was part of the reason why I did that too. Yeah, it's an incredible resource as well. So I'd recommend everybody to go and check it out. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, and, and then I, there's, there's a few other sort of things that I, I guess come from, from our chat, but not only are you um, giving a platform for perhaps lesser known or appreciated areas relating to pain, but you're also someone who has um, people with a lived experience being a really integral part of the conference. And how did that come about in the first place? And, 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 and yeah, and how's that grown for you? Yeah, so I, there's a, I, I really, I can't remember her name. I really should remember her name because I've mentioned this before, but <clears throat> she um, ended her own life, but she'd been living with chronic pain. And I, and I remember I was following her blog and she had written a blog post about how she attended a physician's conference and she stood up and she was like, how can you have this conference and talk about these medical conditions when you're not including those of us? And so I remember reading that it was like in 2016, I believe, but it kind of went to the back of my head, right? I was like, yeah, that's a really good point. And then at the 2017 conference, I was speaking with Jolietta Belton and she was making the complaint, not to me personally, she was just kind of, she was just kind of speaking out to the air. And she was like, you know, how come these pain management conferences aren't including the patient voice? And I was like, yeah, because I had read that 
prior blog post, I thought, yeah, why not? And then I said, hey, Joe, you want to come be on a panel for 2018? So that's what gave me the idea um, to do it. However, I believe like there's a rheumatology association here in the U.S. who's actually they've been doing it for a little bit of time, I think. Um, and then I noticed as soon as I announced it, other smaller physical therapy conferences started announcing it too. Like they brought, they brought in patient partners. Um, and then because of that, uh, somebody who saw my panel actually reached out to IAS and they were like, Hey, if the San Diego pain summit can have this, why aren't you having it? And so they got something together and there, and a whole actually, you know, GAPA formed based on that. So that was really a good thing to do. The, the downside though, is because I worry that it's become a fad and, you know, a fad that's fading. And then um, a lot of organizations don't really put a lot of stock in their patient partners. They don't realize how important they are. They're not paying them for their time, reimbursing them for, you know, and especially when you're, when you're speaking of somebody who lives with pain, taking time off work, traveling, it's a lot more difficult than somebody who say does research and isn't hindered by chronic pain. So, um, you know, yeah. So I, I like to continue to have something like that at each event. And I, I, one of my dreams was to have a side conference for people who live with pain like a mini, con nothing as extensive as the summit, but some little mini conference and then have some sort of activity where they come together, where like the summit audience and the, the people who live with pain audience come together. That was a dream I had a several years ago, but again, that requires like an insane amount of funding. So <laughs> it never transpired. Yeah, and if you want to do some sort of um, <laughs> generous donation uh, for that, then let us know. <laughs> It'd have to probably be in the millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, this or if you have the, or if you have the, you know, if anyone listening has the wherewithal and the funding to do it, it'd be something that's worthwhile for you to do. I don't care if somebody else does it. Mm. I just thought it would be a really, really good idea. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, um, like thinking about the summit as it is, you've obviously had to really adapt with COVID um, and the virtual summit is a really interesting shift there. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to know I suppose, first of all, and something that I remember fondly was the social element of the summit when I was there and um, the hot tub and, uh, <laughs> and, and... Oh, you mean the in-person or the virtual? Because the, the virtual, like, we had, like, fire pits where you yeah, no, the marshmallows in, and stuff. In-person. <laughs> and I'm just right. wondering, like, like the merits, the strengths, the weaknesses of one versus another and, and where you see that. Uh, yeah, so when I thought about moving online, I just went, I just learned everything I could do about having an online event. And fortunately, a lot of, um, a lot of suppliers for people who event managers were also moving online pretty quickly. So I got, a, there was a lot of ideas. I attended free mini conferences that were about like ways to create engagement online. 
and uh, you know, but the the biggest thing is that the the number one reason that people attend conferences and likely have always attended conferences is for the connection, the human connection. And I think the pandemic really made drove that point home. Uh, and so that's why I do focus a lot on making the event fun and, and having it to where people having it easy and non-hierarchical, hierarchical, hierarchical, <laughs> no hierarchies. Um, <laughs> uh, because that connection is important and that's why people attend events, you know, unless they're forced to attend something by their company that they work for or because they need CEU. So they're like, let me attend this so I can get my CEU. Really, it's the human connection that makes the event. It just makes it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 in uh, in the moment in the event, are you able to sort of enjoy <laughs> enjoy the event, or are you? Is there too much to do behind the scenes to just keep it running smoothly? <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm usually pretty busy during the event. I mean. I'm usually up to like two to three in the morning. So sometimes I, sometimes on the last night, I'm able to connect with people because there'll be like people who are up late and they happen to be up by the fire pits when I'm running around and I'll be able to stop and talk to them. Mm -hmm. uh, but mostly what I'm doing <clears throat> is listening and feeling out the vibe of the audience. So I don't often sit in the hall and listen to talks because I, tr when I bring someone to come talk, I trust that they know their subject. Um, they're going to do a good job. You know, it's, I leave it really up to them because it's, it's on them, right? If they do a bad job, it's their reputation. It's not really mine. Um, but I'll come into the room, not to listen to them, but to get a feel for how does the audience feel like what it, are are they you know is rapt attention are they all watch checking emails like what are they doing during this talk and then during the breaks I kind of move around and I have my ear out to listen for what are people talking about what they learned what do they wish was added what do they wish was included what would they like to learn more of so I'm I'm really just walking around I'm busy of course but when I'm in the room or walking around during breaks, I'm listening and I'm feeling for like how people are responding to the information. And then I use that information to, um, to decide on what I'm going to do for the following year. It's <clears throat> really interesting to hear. And, and, and sadly we're running out of time here, but I'm, I'm wanting to finish on a real high. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 as you're saying that like something that comes to mind is have you been in a place when you stepped into the main hall and the energy is just amazing and 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 what or who or when might that have been when you can feel a sort of but is it does that happen like you feel a buzz in the pain crowd <laughs> crowd i have to tell you every event pretty much every event, like every event during breaks, there's only been a couple times where like <clears throat> I had hosted 
oh, it was, it was the one year where I had a bunch of advertisers. I thought, well, I'll try these advertisers, right? And the audience did not like having advertisers in the foyer, even though most of them feel like one was selling books, one was doing, talking about their pain fellowship. I mean, it was like somewhat relate, match the summit's goals, but <clears throat> nobody would go into the foyer. No one wanted to deal with that. And then I actually gave one of the advertisers stage time and they said some things that really ticked off a bunch of people. Um, so that was probably the worst, but it still evened out. It didn't stress me out too much. I was just like, oh man, okay, let's just not do any of that again. Um, but most of the time during breaks, there's like all this energy and then after and I think it's because it's a small event and so most people stay there at the Dana mm. so it's so easy to like and it's a it's 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 not a huge venue right you've been there you have been there right mm. yeah because yeah. <laughs> I think I'll, anyway um so it's it's small enough to where you can walk around and run into other people who are attending the event and just I mean there's just a lot of high energy and it's actually because it always is high energy. That's what gives me the energy to do what I need to do. Cause I can feel it and I can like, okay, I can work off of it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's always really pretty feels pretty good except for, you know, that one time. And then I think that, you know, usually that's it. I mean, there may be one or two couple little, Maybe someone's unhappy with a talk, but typically it's pretty, it feels really good. And there's a lot of energy and excitement. And my sound guy, which I say every year, he tells me every year he does conferences all around the world and he does like huge medical scripts, um, huge conferences. And he's like, this is the only event that we've done where people are so excited to be here. Like people show up at the conference hall two hours before the first talk an hour and a half before the first talk because they're so excited to be there. And then the same amount of people on the first day are there at the end, the last conference. Like there's never like a huge drop off of participants anytime during the event. So I think that's a really good sign too, that people are excited to be there. And But I really think keeping it small and having everyone kind of stay in the same place is the most helpful because I know like when I attend large conferences, everyone is staying at all these different hotels. It can be tough to, to meet up with people, you know, so that, so I think that really helps a lot too. Yeah. And it's San Diego in February. So everyone's like, son. Yeah. yeah, yeah, (laughs) Most people, 90% of the attendees come from out of state. Surprisingly. And Only I, a couple people come from San Diego. Let me just give a recommendation. Bring a bring a jumper for the evenings because it does get cooler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's bring lovely, layers lovely because San Diego is a Mediterranean desert. We're not a tropical paradise. It's a Mediterranean desert, so layers because temperature changes a lot. Mm-hmm. It definitely does. And and the last question I've got for you because um, you talked about being small and connections and and I'm wondering if you've um and I don't know if this is too personal so you can tell me tell me if not 
Um, if there's anybody or people that you've really connected with and formed friendships and bonds as a result of, of doing this and that you really appreciate. Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely. I don't want to name all the names because I don't want people whose names I might forget to mention feel left out. But I have definitely formed a lot of relationships uh, with people over the years and um, some are lasted. There's, there's, for example, there's somebody that we have a Zoom call every week for years now, just chatting. So uh, yeah, definitely have um, created some relationships. And I know the event has created relationships amongst the attendees. You know, um, Ben Cormack and Adam Meekins, they got the idea to start their educational program that they have while at the San Diego Pain Summit, hanging out in the hot tub together. Um, people have come together to, to write research papers. I believe Corey Blickenstaff met somebody there and they had this great idea. And so it's not just me, but it's also a lot of other people have created these relationships with, with people that they find invaluable. So, yeah, lovely. And, and, um, yeah, I, I've got to put it out there. So coming up on i believe it's the first of the third of march but i'm going to double check that it is the first of the third of march isn't it uh, yes it's march one through three and so but people can sign up for all three days which is friday through sunday or they can sign up for just saturday and sunday so we've got the live coming up you can join virtually but as uh, rajem has already said go onto youtube there are some phenomenal talks brilliant speaking including yours well, you know, <laughs> as well. <laughs> which I have to say, uh, interestingly enough, I had a patient um, um, message me only last week to say she just watched it. And, <laughs> and she said, and I didn't realize you knew that much. Uh, she was I was really <laughs> So I know her quite well. Wow, you're smart. You're not just it's a really regular old clinician. Yeah. <laughs> you got something from it which which was great so thank you for that uh Rajam, well thank you because you provide the, the content right it's the speaker who and i've mentioned this before but it's it's the speakers who provide the core of the event because without their talk and their effort and their time your event's not that great. And then it just becomes a chore. Oh, I have to attend this because I need the CEU or I have to attend this because whatever, yeah. you know, so the speakers are what really helps make the event. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's a big part of you as well. So I look, Rajam, I want to thank you for your honest, um, um, reflections of running, um, pain, a pain event, the San Diego pain summit. And, um, I think this is really interesting to, and obviously I've run events as well, but it's really interesting hearing your insights um, and, uh, and, and in the moment, like, as you are, you're saying like in the moment, like, I'm just interested how you're, you're thinking about a year in advance in at that time as well. That's really intriguing for me. And, and I can, yeah, because, well, just to add, it's not because I'm wise and all this other nonsense, but it's because I need help paying the deposits to hold the dates for the next year. So if I can have it kind of set up and registration open, 
and people are talking about the event. So it's kind of like a marketing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I usually get enough registrations when I at, so at this conference, when I announced 2025, I'll usually get enough registrations that I can pay the deposit so I can hold the dates. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why I do that. It's, because it's pretty hectic to plan the, the next year's conference while I'm working that one, but it's worth it because then I can put down that deposit and then I've got those dates held for the venue. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And I really hope that it continues. I really believe in what you're doing and like it aligns with the many of the speakers that we've had as well, we've shared and, and uh, there's some awesome, awesome speakers coming up. I can't wait to join in. Well, a pub is a great, event for me to poach so I can be like "Ooh, that looks like a good speaker and then I you know you can listen to him and be like okay that looks like a good speaker please do please (laughs) do yeah and there's lots of familiar names there so um anybody going along or fancy it you're gonna have a great time I can vouch for it so thank you so much Tim I really appreciate it I appreciate you allowing me this platform thank you thanks for agreeing to it Thank mm-hmm. you.